Well, turn in your Bible, if you would please, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 16. Matthew, chapter 16. And uh, in just a few moments, I'll begin reading in verse number 21 of the chapter and be reading through verse number 25. Thank you, Brother Simpson, for that wonderful, wonderful Bible message. I've heard Brother Simpson preach two different times, and uh, both times, my, what great Bible preaching. Don't you love Bible preaching? You don't get any finer than what you've already heard this morning. And I believe, Brother Gravely, it's one of the most needed messages in all of Christianity today. If we're going to stay encouraged in the things of the Lord, we need to get a copy of that message and keep it on hands at all times. I appreciate the great preaching from the Word of God. Brother Benji Bowden, where are you at? Brother Benji Bowden is a church planner headed to the small towns of South Dakota. And uh, I told him about this meeting, and he took time out of his schedule so he could be here. Now, Brother Benji is sort of shy. That's sort of a drawback for a missionary. But uh, I told him, I said, if you'll give me a card, I will tell these preachers here today, if they're looking for a good missionary to help, I personally recommend Brother Benji and his family. And plus, he's got 10 kids. He needs the support bad. All right? So please see him. He has plenty of prayer cards. And if you're looking to be a blessing to someone, I highly encourage you uh, to uh, take part in their ministry. Preacher, thank you so much for the invitation to be here. Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful room. Aren't those rooms nice? What a blessing. And if you've been blessed to stay in some of the places I have stayed in the last five years, you know how much I mean that. Praise the Lord. I'm glad I didn't have to cut the police line before I went to my room last night. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Matthew chapter 16. Have you found your place? If so, would you please stand as we read the Word of God together. Matthew 16 and verse 21. We'll read the text and then consider the context throughout the course of the message today. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now, there's a lot of great preaching that could and should be done from these verses of Scripture. Time would not allow me to cover everything, but I'm particularly interested in verse number 24. Well, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this thought, Christ's challenge to any man. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, use the Bible to do much more than challenge us this morning. 
I pray that you would change us that we may be more like thee. Help me, I pray. I'm nothing without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I've always found it interesting while studying this particular chapter of Matthew's gospel that earlier in the chapter we actually witnessed the apostle Peter recognizing the Lord Jesus for who he really is. Upon being asked the question in the latter portion of verse number 13 of the chapter, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Peter responds, according to verse 16 of the chapter, by saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon giving his answer to the Lord's question, Jesus responded to Peter by saying in verse 17, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Certainly you would agree with me this morning when I say this was a high point in Peter's life. Peter had the right answer. Peter heralded the right acknowledgement. However, isn't it amazing how quickly things can change in the life of a believer? Earlier in the chapter, we witnessed Peter recognizing the Lord Jesus. But by the time we get to the text that the Lord has directed our hearts to this morning, we witnessed Peter rebuking Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, when the Lord Jesus began speaking to his disciples about Calvary, about suffering, shed blood, and his bodily resurrection. The Bible says in verse 22 that Peter took the Lord and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Peter, at least at this point, actually thought he knew better than the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine that? Here, ladies and gentlemen, we witness Peter embracing a crossless creed. He is emphasizing a crossless theology. However, did you happen to notice Christ's response to Peter's crossless theology? He said in verse 23, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You see, ladies and gentlemen, a crossless theology is a satanic theology. And therefore, Jesus strongly rebukes Peter for his thinking, therefore greatly emphasizing just how vitally important Calvary and the cross and shed blood is, especially when it comes to man's soul's salvation. However, isn't it interesting? The Lord not only emphasizes the necessity of the cross when it comes to salvation for the sinner, but here in the text, oh, it's so interesting. He uses the same analogy when it comes to service for the saints or the children of God as well. Jesus tells his disciples according to verse 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Boy, how significantly different from the thinking of our modern world we're living in today. I'm afraid when it comes to modern day Christianity, more times than not we're looking for a crown without ever wanting to bear a cross. 
we're looking for a prize without ever having to pay a prize. How many of you would agree with me this morning when I say that we are living in a day of convenient Christianity? As long as I can fit the service of the Lord in my busy schedule, I'll serve the Lord. As long as I can afford it, I'll tithe and I'll even give a special offering over and above my regular tithes and offerings so that others could hear the gospel as long as I can fit it in my budget. But let me remind you this morning, the Lord Jesus said again in our key text, if any man will come after me, if any man is going to be used to my fullest extent, if any man is going to experience my touch and my blessing, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I don't have a lot of time to spend this morning, but I want you to know something, friend. If you're saved by the good grace of Almighty God, it'll cost you something to serve God. Now please, whatever you do, don't misunderstand. For those that are watching by way of internet, don't misunderstand. Salvation is free. Ephesians chapter two and verse eight says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Ephesians chapter two and verse nine declares that salvation by grace through faith and the finished work of Calvary is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I wanna make that perfectly clear. Salvation is free. Free. It is not of works. However, when it comes to our service for the Lord, after we've trusted Him as Lord and Savior, when it comes to our living for Him and being used of Him, it's not free. And I got news for you, friend. It's not always convenient and it's not always comfortable. Serving God isn't always fun. It isn't always adventurous. Instead of splendor, Jesus is speaking of suffering in the text. He's not speaking about pats on the back and plaques on the wall and even paychecks in our pocket. He said in the text, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Brother, it's not a crown Jesus is talking of here. It's a cross. Before there will ever be a prize to gain, you hear me, there will ultimately be a price to pay. And therefore, for the, just the next very few moments, I want to call your attention, if I may, to a few truths directly from the text that I couldn't get away from the, in the wee hours of the morning while seeking the Lord's will for the service this morning. First of all, notice number one, the candidate for service. The candidate for service. Did you happen to notice whom Jesus was very careful to mention as the candidate for his service here in the text. The Bible says this in verse 24, if any man will come after me, if any man, and of course when the Lord Jesus used that word man, he isn't just speaking to those of us this morning who are of the male gender. He is using it in a generic sense. He is speaking of any child of God. Any man, any woman, any boy, any girl who has been saved by the good grace of God, a, a part of the family of God, you are a candidate for the Lord's service. 
after Brother Arthur finished preaching last night and then after Pastor Gravely uh, followed his message by challenging somebody to get saddled up. Boy, it seemed to me like the theme for the night was serve the Lord. God wants to use you. Get out of your world and into Christ's world. Get saddled up for the glory of God and God will use you to the fullest extent. Can I say this morning what God laid on my heart? Get out of your world into Christ's world. Get saddled up. God wants to use you. Can I just say something this morning that I needed to hear as a young Christian? God isn't looking for capability. God is looking for availability. If you make yourself available to God, God will make you capable of doing things that is humanly impossible, at least as far as your own personality and performance is concerned. If any man, can I tell you this morning, you are a candidate for the service of the Lord. A few days ago, I was trying to put something up on the wall in my garage at my home in northeast Georgia. And I looked around. I needed a hammer. I had a nail. I needed a hammer. Now, I've got all kinds of hammers at my house. I've got brand new hammers. I've got old hammers, antique hammers. I've got pretty hammers. I've got ugly hammers. Do you want to know the one that I used to hang uh, that thing on the wall I wanted to get on the wall? The one that was available. I didn't just say, you know, that hammer's not good enough. I want the pretty hammer. Or that hammer's too old. I I need to just get it out of the service uh, of hammering things anyway. Let me get this newer hammer, this new-fangled hammer. Let me get that new international version hammer. I I think I'll use that. No, no, I used the hammer that was available. And do you know who God's looking to use in this auditorium this morning? Thank God. God, it's not the prettiest one. I'd never be used of the Lord. It's not the one that has the most eloquent delivery style. It's not the one with the shiniest shoes. It's not the one that has the nicest suit. It's not the one that can sing like a canary. It's not the one uh, that does everything right and never messes up. Oh no, God, listen to me this morning. God can take your little and turn it into much if you'll put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus. God will use you. You are a candidate for the service of the Lord. I want you to know if he used the ravens to feed Elijah, he can use you. If he used a shepherd boy to eventually lead his people, he can use you. If he used a young man named Gideon according to Judges chapter 6 that declared he was the least of his father's house, then what makes you think he can't or won't use you? You are a candidate to serve the Lord. If he can use a rod in the hand of Moses, if he could use a sling in the hand of David, if he could use a piece of clay in the hand of Potter, he can use you. Man, that's good news this morning. That's news I needed to hear as a young preacher. God can use you. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27 declares, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Do you know what that word confound means? It literally means to perplex or to amaze. Do you know what God wants to do with your life? He wants to take it and use it for His glory to the point that when He's through with you, nobody could declare that God's hand and God's touch produced a miracle in your life. You are a candidate for the Lord's service. And the Bible makes that abundantly clear here in the text. However, we not only see, number one, the candidate for service, but we also see the commitment for service. Let's examine the text again, shall we? The Lord Jesus says to Peter in verse 24, if any man, now watch your Bible, will come after me. And when you begin to dig into the text here, you'll discover those words, will come after me. Not only speak of direction, but they speak of devotion. Commitment. Oh, the word commitment. It is a word the greater majority of people shy away from these days. The word commitment. Ask any marriage counselor today, what is the greatest problems in marriages in America or the world? He or she would tell you a lack of commitment amongst husbands and wives. Ask any employer, what is the largest obstacle that stands in the way of your business progressing to the next level? He or she would inevitably tell you a lack of commitment amongst the employees of our company. In fact, I assure you, if you were to talk to the average pastor in America in this building, you would discover that one of, if not the greatest problems a pastor has in leading that local congregation that God has led him to forward, it would be beyond a shadow of a doubt, a lack of commitment amongst the membership of the church. I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to say. Great, soul-winning, missions-minded churches will never be built with spare time and pocket change. If we're going to impact this world for the Lord Jesus, we're going to have to come after Jesus. And if we ever come after Jesus, it's going to take a commitment on our part. I see the commitment for service. Thirdly, I see the criteria for service. Do you see it? It's right here in the text. Jesus said to Peter and his disciples in verse 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Isn't it amazing how the text progresses? Jesus opens his arms to anybody when it comes to his service. And he says to every Born again, blood-bought child of God, I want to use you. But before I use you, let me make things perfectly clear. It's going to take a commitment on your part. And then I'm going to give you a criteria you're going to have to follow. If you're going to be used to the fullest extent. 
And by the way, when it comes to that criteria, Jesus would say it's threefold. There are three things involved if we're going to serve God to the fullest extent. First of all, denial is involved. The Lord Jesus said in the text, if any man will come after me, if any man would serve me, if any man will be used to the fullest extent, live for me, be used to me, that individual is going to have to meet this criteria. You're going to have to deny yourself. Now let me assure you this morning, that's easy preaching, very hard living. In fact, the older I get and the longer I spend in the ministry, I'm discovering this is one of the hardest things that a Christian could ever do, deny oneself. Again, a lot of preaching should be done right here. I don't have time to do it. But do you know what that means? Deny himself. Well, there are a lot of different definitions I could give you. Let me sum it up by saying this. It means to completely surrender the will of your flesh to the will of your Father. I used to have folks when I pastored come into my office and they would say something like this. Preacher, I'm interested in God's will for my life. Let me tell you what I have planned. And they would have mapped out the next 10 years of their lives and then they tell it to me and they seek God's approval for their plans. That's the opposite of denying oneself. Now listen, I'm not against planning. I'm not against that. But there needs to come a time in every child of God's life whether you've been saved five minutes or 50 years that you take a blank piece of paper and put it in front of the Lord Jesus having signed the bottom of that blank piece of paper. And then instead of saying, Lord, bless me as I go to college. Lord, bless me as I become an accountant. Lord, bless me as I, as I become a renowned worldwide. No, no. There comes a time when you need to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to do it, Lord, I want you to know I'm making myself available. I just want to be used of you. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what it means to deny yourself. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 1, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Hear me this morning. God isn't being unreasonable when he asks us to deny ourselves. There comes a time when we need to say, Lord, whatever Whenever, however, for your glory. Denial is involved. Denial is not the only thing that's involved when it comes to the criteria for service. Listen now. The Bible teaches us that death is involved. Now please don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about a physical death. Uh, Jesus isn't looking for somebody to die a physical death. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood so that we through him, so that the world through him can have life and have it more abundantly. I just quoted Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Jesus is looking for somebody who will live for him. But when it comes to our flesh, Jesus is looking for somebody that will die. 
He said in verse number 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And do you see the death? Take up his cross. And you can rest assured this morning, friend, those disciples knew exactly what that word cross spoke of. That word cross spoke of death. That word cross spoke of suffering. That word cross spoke of pain. And did you notice how personal Jesus made his criteria? He specifically used the words, take up his cross. That means every day, Scott Caudle needs to die to himself. I need to take up my cross. You, child of God, ought to be willing to take up your cross. There is death involved if we're going to be used of God to the fullest extent. And I say that because to die to self doesn't just mean to be disciplined. Brother, it means to be deceased. To die to self doesn't just mean that you will make self exist on less. It means that you will make self non-existent. To die to self isn't just thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. To die to self is not that you make self become less important or less visible. It means that you have crucified your flesh. That is exactly what Paul was talking of in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So can I ask you, have you died today? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 31, I die daily. Paul said on another occasion, I buffet my flesh and I do it on a daily basis. That word buffet just simply means to give the flesh a black eye. Do you know what that means? It means every morning when you get up, your old, dirty, rotten, stinking, Adamic flesh is going to get up with you. And now that you've got two natures living inside of you, the Adamic nature and the Holy Spirit of God, there is going to be a battle raging from the moment you get up in the morning. There's a part of you that's going to say You're too tired to read your Bible today But there's another part of you that says You know you need to read your Bible There is a part of you that says You can't afford to tithe and give to missions But there's another part of you that says Hey, uh, you know you ought to tithe You know you ought to give So that others could hear the gospel And whichever nature you feed the most Will ultimately be the nature that grows the most That's why every day of our lives, every morning we need to follow Paul's example and crucify our flesh. Somebody said not long ago, and I agree, when you are forgotten, neglected, or purposefully set at naught, and yet you don't sting or hurt with the oversight, but your heart is happy being counted worthy To suffer for Christ, that is dying to self. 
When your good is evil spoken of, when your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, your opinion ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart or even defend yourself, but take it all in patient, loving silence, that is dying to self. When you lovingly and patiently bear any disorder, any irregularity, any annoyance, when you can stand face to face with waste, folly, extravagance, spiritual insensibility, and endure it all as Jesus did, that is dying to self. When you are content with any food, any offering, any raiment, any climate, any society, any solitude, any interruption by the divine will of Almighty God, that is dying to self. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or record your own good works or itch after the commendation of the brethren, that is dying to self. When you can see your brother prosper and have his needs met and can honestly rejoice with him in spirit and feel no envy nor question God while your own needs are far greater and you are in even more desperate circumstances, that is dying to self. When you can receive instruction and reproof from one of less stature than you are and yet can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly finding no rebellion or resentment rising up in your heart and in your spirit, that is dying to self. So you still want to be used of God? God wants to use you more than you want to be used. But not without dying. Death is involved. Direction is involved. I'm talking about the criteria. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And one thing's for sure and one thing's for certain. If a man is following Jesus, the world will never, never wonder which direction he's going in. It's when you follow Jesus, you're living according to the precepts of his word. There's no doubt about it. So there's one other thing and I'm through. The criteria for service. Denial, death, direction is involved. The candidate for service, if any man, finally, notice the condition for service. And I'm going to do something on this last point that most of my Bible college instructors would advise me not to do, I'm going to back up to the very first word that Jesus used in verse 24 and use that first word as the last point of my message. Do you see the first word that Jesus spoke? It is the word if. If. Do you know what that word if assures me of? It assures me this morning that whereas God opens his door of service up for any man, woman, boy or girl to be used of God... Not everyone will. So can I ask you, as our musician begins to play, what about you? 
The Lord wants to use you. I thought Brother Joe did such a great job last night bringing that out about that little donkey. The Lord hath need of him. I appreciate everything he said about that. Boy, he's right on target. I understand God's God. He's sovereign. And by the way, you know what I mean by that. He's in charge. He's omnipotent. But yet God has chosen to use us. Think about it. He could have used any number of things. He, he could have chosen to write the gospel message in the sky so the world could see it. But he chooses to use us. He wants to use you. And he will use you, but not without dying. So I just wonder right now, if there's anyone here that would love the Lord to use them. Oh, I know I do. I've been studying lately about the judgment seat of Christ. You know, the next prophetic event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And there's going to be a grand reunion in the clouds one day, but listen, Jesus said, when I come back, I'm bringing my reward with me. You know where we're going? We're going to the judgment seat, friend. And there at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to give an account of how faithful we have been carry out God's will for my life I would hate to think I would stand at the judgment seat and the thrice holy God of glory would have to say something like this oh I wanted to use you so bad I wanted to make a soul winner out of you but you just wouldn't die to yourself and knock on a door I wanted to use you more fervently in the music ministry, but you were just convinced that you couldn't do it. And you know, without me, you couldn't. But I was going to touch you and help you such a great way. And Pastor Gravely, I am absolutely positively convinced in my soul that before God takes the handkerchief of heaven and wipes away our tears, I believe there will be many tears shed because of our lack of willingness to die to our flesh. So I just wonder about you this morning. You won't be used of God. God wants to use you. I believe with all of my heart there's a young man in this building, maybe an older fella. And if you just throw up the white flag of surrender, God could use you to do so many great, use you to preach the gospel. Can I tell you, I thank God for our now 127 church planting families around the world at Macedonia World Baptist Missions. But what in the world is 127 families when the greater majority of the 7 billion people of the world have never heard the name of Jesus? so you know what I'm looking for I'm looking for some more missionaries that I can help God hasn't put in my heart to go to the small towns of South Dakota but God has given me an overwhelming burden to help Brother Benji and his family get there what about you can I help you can I help you 
preacher's coming to close the service as he sees fit, I want to encourage you to do what God would have you to do this morning. Father, thank you for the word of God.